I'd like to turn in the Bible to a few chapters before the verse that I just referenced. And we're going to be turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll be reading verses 12 through 20 this morning. And then in the next two Sunday mornings, I'll be finishing this chapter. This is sort of the beginning of a new church year for us. You know, summer's passed, all the fun things that we have done. Many of you knew that or know that I was in Colorado with my oldest daughter this past week. It was amazing. I've talked so many times about the Grand Canyon. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. The Rocky Mountains are like the opposite. If the Grand Canyon is way deep, the Rocky Mountains are really high and truly spectacular. God has given us an amazing world. But now the vacations are past. Labor Day is the last. Hurrah! School begins, and a new church life or a new church year does as well. And so it seemed appropriate for me to preach a few sermons on what does it mean to be the church as we launch into a new church year together. I just want to note one other thing about the prayer that I just offered that I meant to say before, and that is if you're interested in doing some meditation on Labor Day, there were a group of musicians who came together in New York City about five, six years ago. They're called the Porter's House, or no, rather the Porter's Gate, and they wrote a whole series of of songs about the work that we do in God's world. And if you want to meditate on that work, just go to YouTube and find them today or tomorrow. There's some beautiful songs there. Now we turn our attention, as I said, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll be reading verses 12 through 20. Hear the word of God. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jew or Greek, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body." If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense of, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. This is the word of God. May he bless it this morning as I explain it to you. A number of years ago, I had a conversation with a woman in another church that I was pastoring, and I was a little surprised by her question, but I'm very thankful for it this morning. Her husband, her daughter, and this woman had been visiting our church for almost a year, and I was very thankful for them because they served in a variety of ways. They were usually the first people to greet those who came to the church. They provided great care. Sometimes they even babysat our children. My wife and I went out. They seemed very connected. So I asked them the question, would you like to become members of our church? Again, I was a little surprised as well as now thankful for her answer. Her answer was in the form of a question. That is, why? 
Why would I be a member of a church? Why would I take vows to be part of this? Isn't it good enough for me just to be a Christian? What is the value in making a commitment to be part of a local church? Over the next number of weeks, I mean to answer that question from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I think Paul is explaining the answer to precisely that question. And the answer that I'm going to give you this morning is not difficult to understand with our minds, but I think it will challenge our hearts in a very fundamental way. The answer is very simple. What Jesus says through Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that if we are in Christ, then we are naturally in the church. That is, the two go together. If we're in Christ, we'll want to be part of the body, the local body that is the expression of the body of Christ that is the church. And the way in which Paul addresses the question, why would I be a member of a church, is by first giving us that simple truth that I have spoken, and that is to be in Jesus is to be in the church. And then he goes on to explain three ways in which being in the church is beneficial for us. And to be very clear, what I'm going to do this morning is first explain the principle. That is, what does Paul mean when he says to be in Jesus is to be in the church? And then secondly, I want to take the first of those three benefits or the three things that are good about that principle being true, and I want to explain that to you this morning. And then you can guess in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to explain the other two benefits to you as a congregation. So here's the question, why would I want to be a part of a church? And Paul's answer is, as I've already said a couple of times, we're called to be part of a church because we belong to Jesus. I'm going to go back in our passage and point out to you where that principle comes from. It comes in verses 12 and 13, and then it is repeated in verse 20. In verse 12, Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For we were baptized into one spirit, no matter who we are, and all were made to drink of the same spirit, no matter who we are. And then at the end of this section, he says, As it is, there are many parts, but what? Yet one body. In verse 12, there's an obvious comparison between the bodies that we have here and then what it means to be the church. It's not hard to understand. I don't mean to belabor the point, but you understand that your bodies are integrated wholes. If I were to ask you this morning, how's your finger feeling? Unless you had something wrong with your finger, you'd think that's a very strange thing to ask. Why don't you just ask me how I'm doing? When I ask someone how they're doing... What I'm taking into account is the fullness of who they are, how your fingers, how your arms, how your mind, how your legs, how all of you is doing. It's not a very complicated idea. We have a body in which the parts all work together. But the other part of the comparison, the point that Paul is making, is that that is also true in Christ. In the sermons that follow, we'll see what he means by the body of Christ more specifically, But here he's pointing out this very clear comparison 
that just what is natural in our bodies is also natural in the church. What we assume to be true about our bodies, we have one body and it all works together, must also be true within the body of Christ. Just as your arm is no good without a shoulder connected to it, your shoulder's no good without a back to connect to it, so individual Christians are substantially weakened being apart from the body of Christ. We need each other. And the point that Paul is making, and again, I feel like I belabor this a bit, but it's such a powerful point, is that all of these bodies work together, or all these parts of the body work together as one. There's one body, they need each other, they work together. The stress is on unity and oneness. Or to say it as I've already said it a couple of times, to be in Jesus means to be in the church. And Paul emphasizes that in verse 13, by the spiritual connection of Jesus' followers that we share in the Spirit. When we are in Jesus, according to verse 13, we're all baptized or made clean by the same Spirit, and we now drink or receive our nourishment from the same Spirit This is the Spirit of Christ. Not only are we called to be one body, but how we start the Christian life and how we're sustained by the Christian life is the one Spirit of Jesus Christ. Again, he's saying, as we are in Christ, so we should be in the body. And Paul emphasizes that in a second way. Not only are we all members of Christ's body by the same Spirit who gives us life and sustains us life, Paul says very clearly in verse 13, that cuts across many of the points of division that ordinarily exist in human life. What matters within the church is not, first of all, where we come from, our likes or dislikes about politics, how much money we make, where we live. What cuts across all of these things are whether or not we are in Christ. If we are in Him, believe in Him, following Him, belonging to Him, then you belong within the church. Now, if I just step back from that principle for a moment, it might seem to many of us that that's an overstatement. In fact, this dear woman, who eventually did become a member of our church, a woman that I cared very much about, along with her family, they were a tremendous blessing. I remember her wanting to sort of figure out the answer to the question that I was giving to her, and she had a number of objections in her mind, and maybe there are objections in your mind as well. Why is it true that to be in Christ means that I am a member of Christ's body, that is, the church? In fact, there are two such reasons for objecting that I want to consider with you this morning. The first really is an objection that comes from those of us who have been members or parts of a church for a long time. And we might object to being a member of a church because being in a church is often very messy and difficult. Is that true? (laughs) It can be very, very hard. I've told you, if you're a regular attender here, the story of my childhood and church many times. I'm not going to repeat it except to say it was a gigantic mess. I've also told you It's amazing to me that I'm still a follower of Christ. It's almost beyond comprehension that now I'm a pastor of a church based on that history. Church was not a place in which there was a lot of love and kindness exhibited, at least in that period of my life. It was a place of heartache and difficulty. 
And I'd love to say that is one unique time in my life, but I've experienced difficulty in the church over and over again. Not always. Certainly belonging to the church is a very good thing. It's a beautiful thing. In fact, I have far more positive experience in the church than negative, but there are times in which being part of the church is very difficult. You see, friends that you have leaving over minor things, there are problems at presbytery, people pushing their own agendas. Sometimes there's abuse in the church. Sometimes there's just plain ineffectiveness. We can say those things are not comfortable to talk about, but isn't it true we've many, many of us have experienced things exact, exactly like this? When I list those things, you say, yeah, pastor, that's true. I've experienced that within the church. And then you've also come to the point, at least some of us, where we've thought about the question, well, then why am I here? If being part of a church is difficult, why in the world would I be here? And then some of us go even further to ask the question, and how have I contributed to the messiness of this church? Be honest. The problem is not just those other people. Sometimes the problem is me. What I want you to see is that the principle that is given here is given to a church in Corinth that is far messier than any church I have ever experienced. If the principle is, if you are in Jesus, then you should be a member of Christ's church, would have sounded to these Corinthians as an incredible claim. You begin the book, and what do you read about the Corinthians not being able to get along? They were split into factions. You read a little bit further, you read about horrible sexual immorality in the church, and the church tolerated it. Read a bit further, and they were suing each other in civil court, when in fact Paul says, if you're a brother or sister in the Lord, should you not work this out together? There were all kinds of reasons why the people in the Corinthian church may have said to themselves, why in the world am I here? And it is in the middle of that mess that Paul writes these words, just as the body is one and is so members and so many members, so it is with Christ. Maybe we object because being part of the church is difficult. It is. Not always, but sometimes it is very hard. The second objection that I want to acknowledge about the claim to be in Christ means to be in the church. If that is true, then God is calling us to something that is truly countercultural. And that may form the second objection. Being part of a church, being committed to a local body of believers is one of the most countercultural things you can do. That's a bold claim, so let me explain. It is so countercultural, my friends, because we've been taught in a million ways that our religious life is my business and no one else should be able to tell me about it. What I believe and what I do is entirely up to me. What choices I make are my own. No one else's business. Or perhaps... If we've progressed a bit, we say, my choices are just between me and God. And then along comes this passage in which Paul says, if you belong to Jesus Christ, then you ought to belong to a body of Christ. And it challenges us deeply. 
Because to belong to a body of Christ means that we not only contribute to the whole, others are contributing to us. And sometimes in the process of discipleship, there are difficult things that we must say to each other and help each other through. And it's difficult. It's hard. And maybe you say to yourself, well, then why should I be a member of a church? Why would I do that? And along comes Paul again to this body of the Corinthians and says, but you are placed within the body of Christ. He chooses those whom he places here. And Paul says you are called as you are in Christ to ordinarily be within the church with all of its complications and all of its difficulties, with all of its messiness, with all of the tendency we have in our life to segment that part off from the rest of who we are, Paul says, but you are called to be part of the church. And in order to give balance to what I'm saying here this morning, I simply want to answer for you the question, if there are many reasons why it seems counter to our intuition not to be part of the church, why would I be? Why would I be then? Certainly, if you follow what I'm saying here in 1 Corinthians 12, you'll say, I see what Paul is saying. There's a body, just as I have one body, and each member must be part of that body in order for the body to be whole. There must be a unity in the body, so it, all, so it is also with the church. If you believe that to be true, I want to go beyond simply saying that it's true in this passage. I want to show you the goodness of that this morning. And to show you the goodness of that, I want to go to a passage that Paul uses very early on in the book of 1 Corinthians to this very messy, troubled church, the one to whom he gives these words. He says in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 4 through 9, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You might ask me, well, what does that have to do with this point? The answer is, in this section of 1 Corinthians, Paul is not talking to each individual. He is talking to each, but he's talking to them as a body that is a whole. He's addressing them, you as all of you, as those who are together within the church. And he says to those who are together in the church, you are not lacking in any gift. You are complete together as a whole you are complete if you remember perhaps you remember perhaps you don't but in first corinthians chapter 11 paul has worked through the various gifts that belong to the church he's going to return to that at the end of first corinthians chapter 12 but at the beginning of the book he says god has so equipped the body of christ that there is no lacking within it when we together belong 
If I can just put it this way, maybe a bit more clearly, the reason in which Christ calls us into the church is because Jesus Christ cares for you. He loves you. He wants you to know that love in very tangible ways. He wants you to hear the voice of someone else on the phone saying, how are you? Can I meet you for coffee? So that you would know that the love of Christ is not only found in the word, but it is embodied within the church. He wants you to know that when you're struggling in some place in your life, there are people who surround you with love and care to carry you along when it feels as though you have nothing left. He wants you to know that if there are places in your life in which you're living in rebellion against God, there's a body of believers who can encourage you and challenge you to walk in faithfulness after him. Is that not the love of Christ? He wants to give you a body so that on a Sunday you can come and hear the news over and over that as miserable as you feel, no matter how much you question whether Jesus Christ could die for someone like you, the answer is resoundingly yes. It's true. Our Savior died for miserable sinners like me. He wants you to know that's true. And the place in which you will find all of those things is within the body of Christ. Not always in exactly the way that is perfect. Not always in the way that we exactly want. But the body of Christ is the place in which the love and care of Jesus for his people is meant to be found. And it is for that reason that again I say to you that Paul's central point in these verses is that to be in Jesus means we will also belong to his church. I want to add one more thing to that in verses 14 through 19. I said at the beginning of this sermon that Paul lays out three benefits to belonging in the church beyond those things I've already noted. And the first one the first benefit to belonging in the church, to the church, according to verses 14 through 20, is that we complement each other within the body. That we are called into a body means that God so puts together that body that what happens within that body is each part does its part to serve the whole. By compliment, of course, I'm going beyond simply meaning that we say nice things about each other in the church, although that's really nice to do. We ought to do that. There are many places in the world that are not very encouraging, where there's not a great deal of love shown. The church ought to be a place where that's shown in spades. But by compliment, I mean to go beyond that to what we find particularly in verses 18 through 19 that God has strategically composed his church and this particular church so that those who are here fill out the whole. In another place, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says more specifically that God has given various gifts to the church so that we grow into maturity into, he says, the fullness of Christ. What does that mean exactly? Let me give you an example. Sometimes I think to myself, I'm very organized, and I'm very good at making lists. 
I've discovered I'm very good at being organized and making lists in spurts. I know I should. I try to. And I watch my wife, for example, make lists that make sure everything gets done, and I think, I'm not good at that. (laughs) And within our particular body of the church, I'm very thankful if I can just point out something that is very important, even though it may seem very minor, that the Lord has composed our particular staff in this church so there are people who are far more organized than I am. I like to think I'm more of a big picture person. You can judge whether that's true. But the Lord has given us some really, really good people who cross every T and dot every I. And even though that might seem rather insignificant to you, to me, it means things are done in a way that matters. That even the small things are taken care of in a way that people are honored and respected. I remember when our admin, previous admin, retired, I thought to myself, that's going to be the most important thing that's missed, and yet the Lord has provided in a wonderful way. I'm sure you could also tell many stories if you've been in a church for any amount of time where you've watched that happen. People encouraging you, taking off for lunch. Maybe you're somebody who's young, And someone who's older takes you out for lunch and asks the question, where's your life going? How can I encourage you? What advice can I give to you? There's so many ways in which the thing that Paul is talking about, the ears, the eyes, all those parts of the body are meant to work together that we experience within the body the fullness of Christ. Let me ask you the question, have you experienced this? Or better yet, how have you contributed to this within the body of Christ? What is very clear to me this morning is that if we are in Christ, Paul says we will be in his church. And if we are in his church, we will contribute to the well-being and the wholeness of those around us. And again, I don't want to simply say that without telling you how important and good that is. Much of our lives is lived in a quid quo pro fashion. That is, you do something for me and I'll do something in return. There's very few places in which people do things for others simply out of kindness and love. You know the motivation in the church is that most of us are not paid for what we do. It's not as though you show up to volunteer for food pantry and Mr. Hill runs out and gives you a check and says, way to go. You've fulfilled your responsibility. Here's your payment. No, we volunteer. We give of ourselves. Why do we give? Because we know the way in which Christ has first given to us. The motivation is not what we receive in terms of monetary payment, not even compliments. What we give comes from a heart of love and care for others. What is the explanation for that? The only explanation that works long-term and is sustainable is if the Christ who says, if you are in me, you are in the church, is also moving the body to care for each other out of genuine love for him. 
earlier in this week, someone noted to me an article that was written for those who are headed off for college. And it's a time of year where everyone asks the question, how do you equip those who are headed off to college to really thrive when they're in college? Many first-year students are going away for the first time for a sustained period away from their families. What's the most important piece of advice to give those who are leaving for college? And this pastor said the singular most important piece of advice to give to those who are leaving for college is this. Go find a church. Go find a place to belong. Find a place where people not only worship the Lord but care for each other. Because over and over in the Bible, true discipleship happens when the Word of God, which is authoritative and true, takes root in the lives of people who care and challenge and encourage each other in the Lord. Friend, if you came here this morning with any doubt about the church of Jesus Christ and your place in it, I pray the Lord has challenged you this morning. If you came here discouraged and uncertain where you might belong, no matter who you are, whether there is a place to belong, may the Lord have encouraged you this morning. If you are in Christ, my friend, you belong in the church. That is his good news to you this morning. Let's pray. Father, we lift our hearts and our voices to you this morning, recognizing how much of our heart would much rather follow our own way than follow Christ. And yet in following our own way, we often experience difficulty and heartache in ways that we could not imagine. To follow after something beside Christ is to be enslaved according to your word. And we pray that the words that we have just heard are not only true and accurate according to your word, they're also liberating. That they provide for us a life in our Savior in which we experience true freedom. And we pray for each one of those who, is, who are here, those who are also streaming over the internet. We're joyful, Lord for the honor and the privilege of belonging to the body of Christ. It is an amazing thing. In spite of all the heartache and messiness that is often entailed, the beauty and the glory and the encouragement and the satisfaction of knowing Christ and knowing His people is far more than we could ever deserve. And so we give you thanks for this body and for other churches where Jesus Christ is honored, we give you praise this morning as we pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen.